Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove, and this is part four of our four-part series with Dr. Walter Semkew on the subject of reincarnation. Dr. Semkew, a medical doctor, is the founder and president of the Institute for the Integration of Science, Intuition, and Spirit. He has written several books on reincarnation, including Born Again, Return of the Revolutionaries, The Case for Reincarnation and Soul Groups Reunited, and Origin of the Soul and the Purpose of Reincarnation. Welcome again, Walter. Thank you. In this interview, I'd like to focus in on the process of integrating uh, this kind of information. And let me start with an interesting case history. I think exemplifies potentially one of the most positive cases. I know it's not one of your cases, but I bring it up because years ago I interviewed Carol Ann Dreyer, a well-known psychic. And I can tell you it's one of the most popular interviews I ever did. Mm -hmm. uh, she had the ability, as she put it, to see the soul. And she had many clients uh, in Hollywood. One of her clients, uh, whom I met, was Tina Turner, the singer. And Carol uh, worked with Tina at a time when Tina wasn't really very famous. She was doing small shows in Las Vegas. She was basically a battered housewife at the time, carrying a huge personal debt. And uh, Tina herself acknowledges this in her autobiography and the impact that Carol had on her because Carol gave her a psychic reading in which Carol identified her past lifetime as the female Egyptian pharaoh Hatshepsut. And as a result of this, or perhaps not as a result, but at least following this, Tina's turned her life around. She got rid of uh, her abusive husband and became a superstar and has been a superstar ever since. Wrote a song called I Might Have Been Queen. So, here's an example, whether or not we have any reason for acknowledging that Tina Turner uh, resembles Het Sheepsuit in any way, because we, we don't know really that much about Het Sheepsuit. Um, in any case, the idea that Tina might have been, I think, was quite instrumental, as she indicates in her own autobiography, of making a major change in, in her life. And you, in our previous interview, also described how uh, the past life identification uh, that you uh, encountered over a period of many years uh, wrought a change in your life to the point where you're more of a, yeah, your passion is more for past life research than it is, I suppose, for the practice of medicine these days. That's definitely true. Yeah. Now, you've identified a past life for me as William James. And you and other people seem convinced of it. William James is a hero of mine. Uh, I don't know that it's changed my life dramatically. I kind of hope it would. Well, you were pretty much living the life of William James before you knew it. And um, 
or before you recognize the past life connection. And, you know, that's similar to the Laurel and Hardy cases mm-hmm. where they as children replicated the development or a comedic development yeah. of Laurel and Hardy unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And when I first called them out of the blue yeah. to tell them that they're the reincarnations of Laurel and Hardy. Mm-hmm. Everybody was kind of shocked at first because they were raised Jewish. They never considered reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And, and their they father, had a comedy act they were doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they've been doing comedy ever since they were children. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's, it's almost surreal. They put together Laurel and Hardy music tracks. So mm-hmm. music tracks from Laurel and Hardy music, they made cassettes out of. Mm-hmm. And they used to drive around New York City playing Laurel and Hardy theme music as the reincarnation of Laurel and Hardy, even though they didn't r- recognize they were the reincarnations of Laurel and Hardy. Uh-huh. But their father is a trial attorney. Mm-hmm. And even though this seems... and and he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, even though this seems so outlandish at first, when they start to think about all the parallels, now the whole family totally supports it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's a little different for me because uh, I, I approached it with great skepticism because I was alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was kind of, I had this psychic experience of the voice telling me to study this lifetime. I didn't know if it was true or not. And kind of a turning point, basically there were, there were too many things that matched mm-hmm. for me to ignore. Mm-hmm. And then when I start to work with Kevin and Atun Ray, the spirit guide that Kevin channels affirmed it, and then Kevin could uh, or I'm sorry, Atun Ray could solve these cold cases where there was no hypotheses. As we described in a previous interview. Right. Yes. Then, then um, and also, you know, I had started to accumulate other cases like the Jeff Keane case, the Robert Snow case, the Penny Pierce's cases, uh, uh, and many more. Uh, really, uh, my mission was not so much about me mm-hmm. and who I was. It was actually uh, to compile these cases and then later integrating them with Stevenson's research. Well, let us say this, let me say this, that uh, you embody a certain revolutionary fervor in your zeal for promoting the yeah. philosophy of reincarnation. So, there is a sense that uh, you are still behaving as a revolutionary. Oh, very much so. And, uh-huh. and there, there is a direct parallel. Mm-hmm. You know, in the American Revolution, I helped bring about democracies, mm-hmm. the fall of monarchies, to establish democratic political systems. Mm -hmm. What evidence of reincarnation is doing is it's doing the same thing with the religious monarchies, which are the established religions. Mm -hmm. And when evidence of reincarnation becomes more widespread, and that really is the mission of our organization, Mm -hmm. is to disseminate the research of Ian Stevenson and others. Mm -hmm. Uh, When people realize that religion, nationality, and ethnic affiliation can change from lifetime to lifetime, and many cases from Mm -hmm. the University of Virginia show this, it's going to totally change how people see themselves and others. 
And then when you realize you reincarnate, then and you could you could be the other. Yeah. You know, when when uh, Muslims realize they can reincarnate as as Jewish people and vice versa, then this hostility or sense, uh, basically what it comes down to is one sense of identity. Mm -hmm. One's identity is based on cultural markers, such as the nation you were born into, the religion you were born into, and so forth. Uh, and that gets fixed usually when people are in their 20s. And then people will even fight about it. Uh, in the, uh, there's a, a Giants fan in San Francisco who traveled to L.A. to a Dodgers game and almost was beat to death because he was watch, wearing a Giants jersey in Los Angeles because mm -hmm. these guys said, hey, this is our turf. And, and what's happening now with the ISIS causing all the warfare. It's basically my identity, my religion is correct, and you're wrong, and we're gonna, you either have to become like us or we're gonna kill you. But evidence of reincarnation is gonna level the playing field. And it is also going to make established religions less powerful mm -hmm. and, and it will make people take individual responsibility for their lives. That's a very optimistic viewpoint and I hope it's true, but uh, I think to be realistic about it, we can point to historical cultures where reincarnation was completely accepted in Buddhism, for example, uh, that also engaged in warfare. But there's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Those religions do not acknowledge that you can change religion. First of all, Buddhism does not have any set understanding how reincarnation works. It's very abstract. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, um, religions like Hinduism, they teach you come back as a Hindu. They, they do not change, they do not teach that a Hindu can become a Muslim. Now, actually, there's some research uh, that was done uh, years ago on a small Hindu village in, uh, near the Himalayans where the people in that village believed they would come back as a Hindu except if they were very bad right. people. Then they would be reborn as Americans. Well... <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke or not. No, it's, it's, it sounds like a joke, but this but, was their belief. But still, if you're a good Hindu, you come yeah. back as a Hindu, yeah. right? Well, that is not true. Mm -hmm. And that's the big fallacy. Also, there's a big difference between belief and reality. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, there's there's a difference if you're a Hindu person who sort of believes in reincarnation, but you don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people, for instance, what's interesting is I have a lot of friends in high mm -hmm. tech in yeah. the Bay Area yeah. who are Hindus. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that Hindu academics, scientists, computer engineers, they don't believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. They see it as a religion, just like a Christian scientist yeah. would see Christianity as a religion, and even though they were born Christian, doesn't mean they believe in Christian Well, I, I'm in a situation where I have you and Kevin Ryerson and the other people, too, who say, we, uh, we think you were William James. I still don't believe it. Well, that's because you're kind of dense. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, no, but. it's because, to be honest, and I think a William James scholar, any William James scholar would say, at best, I'm a pale reflection. Well, first of all, it doesn't matter if you were William James or not. It doesn't matter 
if I was the person mm -hmm. that I'm identified as. What really matters is the Stevenson research. Mm -hmm. And those cases are pretty much indisputable. You have to be a super skeptic or close-minded to reject that whole body of work. No, let me just point out that uh, Stephen Browdy, whose book Immortal Remains, he's not a super skeptic at all. He would like to believe in uh, survival and in, and in reincarnation, but he's looking at it through the eyes of a professional philosopher, and he's simply saying, as much as I might enjoy this prospect and, and think it might be true, can't rule it out, uh, the evidence doesn't convince me yet. There are alternative hypotheses that uh, he thinks carry actually more weight. Well, and, I, I doubt mm -hmm. that person really knows the body of literature. Yeah. And, and that's all I can say. But let me put it this way. <laughs> I have to invite now, the two now, of you to dinner. Now, now there, one thing we have to recognize yeah. is there are people who are naturally skeptics that won't believe anything. Yeah. Remember, Ian Stevenson himself said there is no proof other than mathematics. Yeah. But let me tell you this. When I show these cases to my patients in my medical practice, yeah. they're blown away mm -hmm. and they accept it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think most open-minded people, when you show them the mm -hmm. body of, of evidence yeah. will accept it. Okay. And, by the way, there are two quotes that I really relate to from mm -hmm. my past life. Yeah. One is, you, you must, we must risk all for the America to create mm -hmm. a new nation. Yep. And I've risked all personally to get this going. Yeah. And another quote is, thanks God that I am stubborn when I know that I am right. And I know that I am right. <laughs> well, that is revolutionary fervor if ever I heard it. Let me suggest another um, potential scenario here. Vladimir Rykov is a mm -hmm. psychiatrist uh, from Russia who was whose work was written up in the famous book Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain. He had a process. Sometimes it was called deep trance identification. Sometimes it was called artificial reincarnation, where he would put people into a hypnotic trance and tell them that uh, you are the spirit of, or you were the spirit of, uh, let's say, uh, Rembrandt, the great painter, or Mozart, the great musician. People would come out of trance, and they would exhibit abilities that they had never previously uh, shown before, artistic or musical abilities. So, uh, I'm assuming that just because the hypnotist said you are such and such a person, that it doesn't mean that they really were, but that the human subconscious mind has the potential to tap into that uh, level. Well, my explanation for that is mediumship. Uh -huh. And for instance, many conscious psychics, such yeah. as John Edward, yeah. uh, who had the TV show Crossing Over, yes. he says that the way he works is he has a group of four spirit guides or so yeah. that he calls the boys. Mm -hmm. And and it's the boys that collect information mm -hmm. about the client, and the boys telepathically transmit this to John Edward, right. who transmits it to the client. Mm -hmm. um, 
I would say that this hypnotist yeah. attracted a group of spirits mm -hmm. because they know they're going to have an opportunity to come through this person in a hypnotic state mm -hmm. and show their stuff. Mm -hmm. And and one very similar uh, occurrence like this involves Echo Bodine, who's a noted psychic in Minneapolis yes. and has written many books. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's actually a contributor to my book, Origin, the Soul and Purpose of mm -hmm. Reincarnation. Yeah. And by the way, let, let, uh, and this story is actually in that book. And mm -hmm. let me just say that Origin of the Soul and Purpose of Reincarnation consists of my dialogues with Atun Ray, the spirit being, about the big picture. Okay. Like, when were souls created? What's the purpose of reincarnation? When does reincarnation stop? What, what are soulmates? Mm -hmm. and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So once I realized Atun Ray was truly a spirit, who is highly intelligent. Mm -hmm. uh, Has a great sense of humor, too. Great sense of humor yeah. and compassionate. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, I consider him and Kevin my best friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, a best friend of mine is a spirit. Okay. I mean, I, I almost look forward to dying so I could hang out with him more. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, what happened with Echo is both she and her brother both had psychic abilities yeah. early in life. Mm -hmm. And Echo made a career out of it. And they both together did ghost busting. So when uh -huh. somebody said they had a haunted house, they would go and kind of communicate with the spirits and say, go to the light or whatever, mm -hmm. and de-haunt the house. Well, um, her brother, as a young person, wanted to play the drums. Mm -hmm. So he got a drum set. It was like in the basement or somewhere. And he would practice on the drums, but he was really pretty awful. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a beginner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they got used to his drumming and so forth. Well, uh, one day he was playing his drums, and all of a sudden he transformed into like a super jazz drummer and everybody in the families were like what the heck is going on you yeah. know and mm -hmm. they they uh run down and he's playing drums like he's never drummed like mm -hmm. like like an expert right and then uh all of a sudden he stopped and he was like as white as a ghost mm -hmm. and he himself was like scared what happened to me mm -hmm. and and basically what echo perceived is that a spirit that was a professional drummer before actually took over the body of her mm -hmm. brother temporarily to play the drums. Possession, the case possession. of possession. So, so, or mediumship. That's basically what Kevin does. Well, there's a fine line, isn't there, between mediumship and reincarnation? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so, um, for instance, when Kevin channels Atun Ray, you could say that Atun Ray temporarily uh, is taking possession of Kevin. Yes. But then when the session is over, he de he's depossessed. That that Atun Ray leaves Kevin's energy field, mm -hmm. and Kevin comes back to being Kevin. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Atun Ray is Kevin is not the reincarnation of Atun Ray. The mystics of all cultures unanimously say that we're one with the whole universe, with everything. Yeah. So at that level, we are one with every soul who's ever lived. Well, can I tell my squirrel story now? All right. Well, uh, this is something that demonstrates this quite um, vividly. Um, and, and I've always been skeptical about people who mm -hmm. think they can 
communicate with animals because yes. how do you prove it? Mm-hmm. And um, I have these squirrels in my backyard that I've been feeding for years, mm-hmm. and you know, even to the point where they touch me, and right. and they're like my little pets. Mm-hmm. And um, and one day I was at work mm-hmm. doing my medical job, doing some charting. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and out of nowhere, I see this vivid image of. Uh, our deck where I feed the squirrels there's a sliding glass door mm-hmm. and there's this squirrel that's as tall as the entire door so yes. we're talking about like an 8 foot squirrel 7 foot squirrel mm-hmm. and it's looking at me like what's going on in fear mm-hmm. like like asking for help yes. and then I heard myself telling the squirrel well at least she doesn't have her dogs and I, I reflected that, that lasted for just a couple seconds and I thought that was weird. Why would I see this big squirrel yeah. and why would I hear myself talking about these dogs? But mm-hmm. I knew right away I was thinking about my wife's niece's dog. Mm-hmm. She has these two Labradors that yeah. are just totally unruly. Mm-hmm. And and I knew that that's what I was referring to. Okay. But I had no idea why this bizarre image came into yeah. my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, later I came home and it turned out that my wife's niece was visiting mm-hmm. her grandfather who was living with uh, us. And you didn't know that when you were I at didn't your know office. that. Okay. And and they were hanging out in the living room, the bedrooms on the other side of the house. She had opened the door mm-hmm. and the screen for ventilation, yep. was with her grandfather, then walked down the hall to go to the bathroom and sees this squirrel halfway it's coming into the bedroom. Uh-huh. And Which the squirrel was accustomed to doing yeah, because you feed I, the squirrels. Yeah, I would encourage them to come in. Don't uh-huh. tell my wife, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And so... Um, they're my little buddies, mm-hmm. and and they're so cute the way they eat and everything, mm-hmm. and I love them. And and um, you know, then when I came home, uh, uh, Nancy, the niece, said, "Boy, you know what happened? The squirrel came into the bedroom, and man, I yelled at that thing and chased it away. And that squirrel's never going to come back here again." Oh. And I said, "What time did this happen?" Mm-hmm. And it happened at the time I had this mm-hmm. vision of the squirrel, right? So, not only was I the squirrel psychically communica- communicating with me, mm-hmm. part of my consciousness was communicating with the squirrel, even though in my body, I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And later I asked Atun Ray about this, and he said, yes, because all living things are interconnected. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I in actually, my first book, I talk about the web. And that, that's like uh, when Jesus call, talks about the vine, that, that's what my mm-hmm. interpretation is. It's like a universal mm-hmm. interconnectedness. So we're all connected. And yet, I think what you're saying is that in addition to the fact that we're connected with everything, we also have past lives. Yeah, we have our individual identities. Uh-huh. And, and uh, our, our spirits 
program. Basically, when we're born, my how I think of it is our soul projects a template of itself into the physical body. It's an energy template, and mm -hmm. that's what the, the tissue shapes around, which results in us having similar facial features from lifetime to lifetime. But this template also allows a path to download information and talent, which explains child prodigies and repetition of behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think it is useful for people to know their past lives. After all, most people, almost everybody is born without memories right. of a past life. Right. Um, I, I think that it doesn't necessarily have to change. It, it, it doesn't necessarily change your life. What, what I think is important is for people to, to be knowledgeable of the body of evidence that exists, which in, again, in aggregate, in my mind, these cases prove reincarnation. Mm -hmm. And Jim Tucker at the University mm -hmm. of Virginia has stated yeah. there's sufficient evidence to conclude reincarnation yeah. exists. The important thing is for people to recognize you can change religion, nationality, ethnic affiliation, and let's mm -hmm. stop fighting about this. Yeah. Let's stop destroying infrastructure. If you know that you're going to be coming back, let's create a mm -hmm. world we want to come back to. So... Um, if I could summarize one point, which I think is a useful point, and make sure that you concur, or if not, let me know. You would like people to really be more aware of the work of Ian Stevenson and his colleagues at the University of Virginia, who are using rigorous scientific methods to explore reincarnation. You right. yourself have developed a fascinating approach involving the spirit guide Atun Ray, uh, and I think you would probably agree that while these results are most interesting to you and many other people, they don't necessarily uh, comply with scientific methodology. Right, right. And mm -hmm. and I always say, and mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I use the celebrity cases because we are a celebrity-driven culture. Uh -huh. I mean, look at all the tabloids, yeah. you know, and so... People are going to be more interested in who, uh, you know, Justin Bieber was in a past <laughs> lifetime than this obscure Indian child. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh huh. Well, Dr. Walter Semkew, I'm very grateful that you spent these four interviews with me. Yeah, we've covered a lot of ground and, uh, I think that your work uh, is of a pioneering nature. Well, uh, thank you, Jeff. It goes beyond what uh, most parapsychologists would do. They're too timid to engage in the sorts of exploration that you do, and they're too constrained by by their own methods. But you seem to show great respect for their work and uh, the willingness to concede that what well, you're doing is is a different methodology. Atun Ray said, me, him, and Kevin made a contract to do this work before Kevin or I were born. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I asked uh, Atun Ray, or I mentioned to Atun Ray how I just go ahead and do things, yeah. you know, and I push ahead. And then Atun Ray said, well, why do you think you're working with me? <laughs> <laughs> Walter, thank you so much for being with me. Well, thank you, Jeff. And thank you for being with us. Thank you.